Yo, I I wanted to stick around and kind of react to to what Mike was was talking about. I mean, first of all, I just wanted to say, um, if you force me to, a, I will. Uh, <laughs> he's well. He's. I'm kidding. First kidding. of all, I just want to say he he is a he's an incredibly wise man for um, sure. In just the what he was talking about there at the end, the liminal space, the in between, the mm-hmm. you know, I don't I don't subscribe to far left progressivism, progressivism, or I don't subscribe to the far right. I don't I don't subscribe to being a uh, 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 so religious in language that that uh, that I I never address a lot of the real issues in our world, but then never only ever addressing issues in the world through the language of of only addressing real world world issues. It's actually a gospel issue. Like mm. that's such a weird space to be in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, you know to but it's incredible the 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 real world work that he's been been, been part of doing. But yeah, I, I wanted to say something. Uh, it was so interesting, man. I went to a church that's nearby my church. It was a a, mm-hmm. a pastor friend of mine. I was like, "Hey, you need to meet this pastor." And it's a, it was a church that um, they meet on Sundays, and they uh, and and they rent from an Adventist church. And so I know the Adventist church. So, I, so we ended up going, and it was the it was the most surreal thing, man. So I'm brown. Mm-hmm. My wife is white. I have li- literally lived in white spaces my entire life, mm-hmm. at least majority white spaces. And I walk into this place. And I kid you not, there's like three, 350 people in this, in this, uh, in this church. And it's, and for the size of church it's pretty filled. We get in there and I kid you not, there are maybe two other brown people and they're not very brown. Okay. And I'm not saying like better for worse. I'm just saying like, they, they look like it you. was a sea, it was a sea of whiteness wow. in that, in that church. And I'm not trying to argue about their effectiveness or their love for Jesus or anything like that. But I walk in, I walked into that space and I immediately noticed it mm. just because it was like, and I don't usually notice stuff like that because there's at least a few people who aren't just white, but it was, everybody was white. Mm-hmm. And this isn't, this isn't anything against white people. I love, I love all, all my white people. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but I say that because then what's so interesting is the church, uh, the, the church that I pastor the majority of the time. Um, in both both churches I pastor, but just to highlight the the one specific, uh, North Hill, the percentage of 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 white versus minority people, it's like if it's fifty fifty, I'm surprised. It's it's probably more. There's probably more minority people that are part of the church than there are white people. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that to degrade white people, but just to say that the beauty of 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 experience amongst people. Of mm-hmm. like an, a, a family that moves has moved here from Africa, or the Hispanic uh, family that started coming to our church in the last year or two, or the the uh, Filipino husband and his Hispanic wife, and the uh, the um, just the, the diversity of experience, the diversity of stories. Um, the the this this older uh, white guy who he went to Cambodia um, back in the '60s, '70s, I believe, mm-hmm. um, as part of an aid a, a, a relief effort over there because there was like there's wars happening and stuff and and his experience there and just like the diversity of experience man is it it it's the beauty of the gospel i think at play i'm not saying that it's not present in other church i'm just saying that that having that level of diversity within a church mm. is so exciting to be part of because i'm not just seeing a bunch of people that look like me that have experienced the same things that i've experienced that are just kind of looking at it from one perspective you're forced into that space of like wow this is the beauty the 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 spectrum of god's of god's people and i i i just i just i just find that so beautiful mm. and so to 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 unfortunately be in a place in a conversation in our in our country today where it's almost pitting it's pitting 
groups against each other is it's such a hard space to be in because it's like, man, when we're all together on this stuff, it's a beautiful thing. It's better. Yeah. Yeah. The, I don't know if you feel that, but yeah, for sure. I think, I think I feel two things simultaneously. You know, I think I agree with you. I feel as if, um, yeah, I mean, I'm thinking of, as he was talking, I was thinking of uh, Jesus's prayer for unity in, I think, John 17, right? Where he's praying that they might be one. And uh, I was thinking about that. Like, I actually saw that uh, Francis Chan just released, uh, is releasing a new book and it's all about unity and essentially him arguing like, Jesus, to Jesus, unity was so important. It was like the number one witness for why. Like the number one thing to show the world that like, the gospel is true and Jesus rose from the dead, you know, and yet it's something we struggle with the most is unity. And, uh, yeah. So yeah. I totally agree. Well, what's yeah. hard about it too. And I think, I think this is an important thing to say is that a lot of people say, Oh, well, it's the, the racism conversation is what's causing the disunity. Yeah. It's like, it's not really the conversation. It's, it's the lack of being willing to listen. It's the lack of being willing to understand a perspective that's different than mine. Mm. Um, it's the, it's the, I, it's the, Assuming that I already know the answers and assuming that I already know the way things are and that my experience is indicative of everyone else's ex or at least a lot of other people's experience. Mm -hmm. And most people would say, oh, well, I don't think that and then go out and act in those very ways. And I'm not trying to condemn anyone, but that is like the divisiveness is not the conversation about racism. Mm. It, it's like saying that like, oh, well, my wife always wants to wants to bring out the things that I'm not doing right. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, maybe the fact that she's she's bringing all those things out is because I'm not listening mm. to, to the to, to her and she doesn't feel heard. And so she's trying to communicate that. You mm. know? And what's interesting is and I'll just share this from personal experience that a lot of times I don't want to have an argument argument with my wife, mm -hmm. but then when we do, or when we, when we fight it out and we actually have to like listen to each other and hear each other's emotions and pain and, and, and heart in it all and realize we actually do love each other, yeah. but we needed to talk about these things so that we could get back to that space of being on the same, like being on a parallel trajectory of a united trajectory, mm. then you have to have the hard conversation. You have to go through the discomfort. You have to go through that relational uh, uh, what's the word dissonance. dissonance? Yeah. In order to get to that space where, where there is unity. So unity doesn't come because we don't talk about stuff yeah. or because we all espouse the same exact ideas. Unity comes because we process through it. Yeah. See that that's exactly it. And I feel like, you know, there's a, okay. I interrupted myself. So, you know what I was saying? Like, I agree with you, like unity, like it's, it's so beautiful when it happens and it, we should aim for it and we should strive for it. And Jesus, you know, talks so much about it. It's like, I think there's an unparalleled thing that happens when you meet someone who has not experienced what you've experienced and you realize that the world is so much bigger than you thought. And you realize, yeah. wow, like my experience is just a blip amongst billions of people that have fundamentally different experiences, values, you know, et cetera. And you're like, you, you, you just, yeah, you, you just realize, wow, I'm part of something so much bigger and I'm just so not, I'm not right about everything and that's okay. There's a, there's a yeah. grace to that. Yeah. But then on the other hand, there's also the, um, exactly what you're saying. And I think, uh, Michael hit this really well when he said this and I wrote this down at the root of any kind of positive change is truth telling. And I feel like that's where yeah. the, the dissonance often happens. Like, one party is coming to the other and trying to tell a truth. And sometimes in the telling of that truth, it there's been damage and pain. So 
So, yeah. so that truth telling comes across as really aggressive or angry or confrontative yeah. or, you know, and, and then on the other hand, the other party hearing that truth. And this is, it's the same thing as in a, like you're saying, like in a marriage or a relationship, like you're coming, you're saying, Hey, you hurt me. You did this thing. Or even if you didn't do this thing, like I was made to feel this way. And the other person's like, why are you attacking me? You know? Um, and, yeah. And it, defensiveness. And I, you know, I don't want to hear it. And I didn't do that. And exactly. Yeah. There's so much like, that's the point where it breaks. But I feel like if there can be a healthy truth telling and a health, it seems like, and we didn't get into this as much. I kind of referenced this when I said, uh, what he was saying, like the framework he was arguing for was so countercultural. Um, yeah. But I feel like on both ends, if there is sort of a gospel oriented, like ability to hear the other and listen to the other and like, you know, like, like for those doing truth telling, like those of, uh, you know, people of color, like me, for us to say like, Hey, we're doing yeah. truth telling, but to say it in love, in kindness, even if there is anger, even if there is hurt, being honest about those things, but being able to tell the truth through the lens of the gospel and for those listening to truth telling to listen through the lens of the gospel, it seems like that's really the only I, way. Like I think, I think one of the hardest things that, and one of the things I, I kind of lament about this whole this whole recent season of of conversations surrounding race, um, and and the multitude of things that comes from it is just the is what you said in essence is saying saying the truth, even if it hurts, saying it saying it in a way that can be heard, saying exactly. it in a, in a way that at least could be, and I think that's part of some of the problems that I've I've experienced in trying to communicate some of these ideas or or at least just have the conversation about race with either church members or family members or, or friends or, or whoever it is, you know, mm -hmm. is you're starting to have this conversation and then you use the word, you use words like defund the police, you know, and it's like, mm -hmm. I just, I hate that statement because what it's trying to communicate is not what the words themselves communicate. Mm. And there's a, there's a dual responsibility here. It's the responsibility for it to be communicated well, but there's also the responsibility of the party that's, that's, it's being said to, to listen and understand what's being said. Mm. But, but I think one of the, one of the things that I wish was just a little bit more thought out in this time is the words that are used to then communicate the idea. Mm. And I don't know a better, catchphrase off the top of my head for things like defund the police or or uh or um um anti-racist or things like that because well anti-racist is more of the connotations that have come along with it that a lot of people in the white community are like well what does that mean and mm -hmm. i don't like that but but just my, my point is is the slogans or the words that are used or the way that, that it's said you're a racist to say that to a white person mm -hmm. um is such a jarring thing and to some people that's helpful because it's like whoa i need you know, I needed to hear it that jarring yeah. so that I could have to process it. I'm, you know, it made me listen. Now I have to process it. But in other ways, I feel like it's been so jarring that it just causes defensiveness. It just causes the, the feelings of I'm not that, how dare you call me that? Therefore you are wrong. I'm not listening to you. And then figuring out all the ways to make that person an enemy. So, you know, unless it's like, uh, you know, you called me a racist. Well, you're woke. Marxist ideology is yeah. horribly wrong. It's like, you know, start the language that starts to be used. And I, it's just so sad because as a church, it's, I think, I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's more so on the side of, of, of our, of our, of, of our, of our, um, majority culture people. My, I would include myself in that, mm -hmm. um, to listen well. I think it's, that's, that is far more important than trying to get the language right. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. I think, I think For the responsibility sure. is far more on the person who has wronged or who has been part of the wrong to listen well and understand how they wronged 
so that they can they can uh, begin to the begin the process of of asking for forgiveness and reconciliation and all those things that come with that. But I do I do wish that that we would use different language sometimes to communicate the same ideas. Mm. I, th- I think that has been un- an unfortunate detriment through this process. And, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's there aren't better ways. I, I, it's just that's as someone who's who's trying to communicate some of those ideas to people that I love. Um, you know, in my sphere, it's, that's been part of the hard hardship of it. Oh yeah, man. I, and I feel like I was actually talking to my sister about this the other day. We were talking about a, um, some Instagram celebrity who is being canceled right now because of some tweets that she didn't delete like from 10 years ago or whatever, just typical, <laughs> you know, classic. So another day in the life of social media. Is that, is it that girl from the bachelor? It is that girl from the bachelor. Is, is she, she's like, she's like, she's Brown. But yeah. she wrote something against. Was it like? It was, it was a lot was, of. Stuff. I don't remember. I think against. There's like ableism. People accuse her of mm-hmm. ableism because she said something about disabled people mm-hmm. and I think black people. But she she's she herself is like half black or she's brown in some way. It's it's a very it's one of those very confusing. You look at that and you're like, wait, hold yeah. up, what <laughs> what's happening here? Anyway, yeah, continue. wild and it's and so there's just so many layers to it and I don't, it's just so much drama and tea that it exhausts me that I don't even want to dive into the whole all the nuances of it but we were talking about that and it's so let's just transition this episode from talking about racism to an episode of on bachelor drama (laughs) welcome to the bachelor after show hosted by jesse and anthony (laughs) actually i'm not even gonna lie i watched the last episode of the bachelor last night it was fantastic uh and so that's a whole nother conversation anyways but it's pertinent because we're talking about this and you know there's this whole thing with the host of the bachelor being canceled recently you know and being asked to step down from the show and this this girl her name's taylor she was so vocal about him being canceled like you know he can do work he can be forgiven but sometimes you know like actions have consequences there should be a cost to there should be a professional mm-hmm. cost to what you've done and she was like such an yeah. adamant outspoken voice for this like like relentlessly calling for him being canceled. And then these tweets from her emerged. Yeah. And it happened to her and her, her whole fan base, like turned on her in a second. Like if you go to any of her most recent Instagram posts, it's like, so all the comments, I think I've seen a few. Oh, they're so awful. They're like, literally one was like, you called for that. There should be a professional cost for Chris. So, so there should be a professional cost for you. You should lose your platform. You should lose your therapist license, like because of what you've done. And, (laughs) and I was talking to my sister about this now and just reflecting on, this is why I feel as if like, this is actually the weight and like richness that the Jesus perspective actually has to give the world because yeah, that's why I think these conversations around holding people accountable have to be couched in gospel love because yeah. we're, because none of us are perfect. Like you, <laughs> if you're calling, like she, she became just the microcosm of the whole thing where she, she yeah. creates this community of people who are so quick to cancel. And then as soon as she makes a mistake, her whole fan base cancels her. They and it's like, her. Yeah. it's like, if you're not, and so I actually wrote her a message and I'm really proud of myself. This is my, this whole story is self-promotion. <laughs> basically I wrote her a message and I was like, um, Taylor, I don't really know Wait, you. What's her name again? Her, uh, her name's, uh, Taylor. Um, Oh, I'm blanking. I have to go on Instagram to find out. Uh, Anthony, I'm going to see, I'm going to see a news article about a pastor that slid into her, into DMs, her DMs and then we're going to find out that you're married in two years. <laughs> Her, her name's uh, Taylor. That's gonna be this. That's gonna be the progression of this. <laughs> her name's Taylor Nolan, and uh, I slid okay. into her DMs, 
And I basically <laughs> was like, in the most pastoral sense, you in could. the most pastoral <laughs> sense, I was like, yo, Taylor, I don't know you. Like, we don't really have a relationship for me to speak into your life. But if I could, I would just offer a blessing to you, which is, uh, may the unforgiveness of others lead to more empathy for those you wish not to forgive in your life. Ooh. Okay, well, hold on, unpack that. I need to, because that sounded so good, but I don't <laughs> think I actually understood what you said. May may the unforgiveness of others do what? Lead you to more empathy for those you wish not to forgive. Oh, gotcha. So like for someone like Chris Harrison or other people in her life, that because she has experienced the full weight of that unforgiveness or that calling for a cost, that she would yeah, have that same empathy it, for others. Exactly. Like certainly there's people should be held accountable for things that they've done and the ways they've harmed and hurt others. But like, no, we're all human and we're all going to make mistakes. And we've all said things yeah. probably that we're not proud of. And so to bring this back to, I, I think, yeah. Well, I was just going to say, yeah. I, I think that that's, that's the conversation that I feel like is such is, is the necessary conversation right now, which is, I want so badly, and I know many people want so badly for there to be reconciliation, for there to be re re restorative repair mm -hmm. done in our world. But part of the part of the problem that that I think many feel is what's being called for by at least the 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 far farther progressives is almost this: you cost us something, so we must take from you now. Mm. Is what it feels like. I'm not even saying that's what they're actually saying yeah. in many cases, that's but perceived. that's what it feels like. And so, um, and so, and, and that, I think that that matters. I think it's in the context of, I think one of the things that we failed to do through all of this is look at this as a big, a big picture relationship. I mean, you know, we, we think of it in interpersonal terms, you know, between like say my wife and I, mm -hmm. but, um, you know, then, but we ought to look at all of this as one party being a husband, one party being a wife, it doesn't matter who. But but that there is there needs to be restoration in that sort of manner, where where there is there is an expression of hurt that is listened to well mm -hmm. and a and and heard and and apologized for you know I you know you hurt me I hear that I've hurt you I am so sorry that I've hurt you but then the the key part of restorative relational moments mm -hmm. is that there is a coming together around the common purpose purpose of we are together in this mm -hmm. and, and and for bigger hurts you know for instance like if there's an affair in a marriage or something like that there may be some sort of like you have to, i'm setting these boundaries you need to do this you need to do this much work you need to do this you need to do this you need to go to counseling you know all those things mm -hmm. but but then but then we're working together i'm giving you the benefit of the doubt we are working on this as a team mm. you know and I think I think that's the part that I feel like is missed right now. Now that being said, one side is definitely not listening very well at all. Mm. So maybe maybe that's part of the problem is that we can't even get to those steps of we're together in this because one side is just like, well, how dare you call me any of that? I'm not listening to you. So, mm. but at least at the church level, at least at least at least amongst because we I can't fix the global. We, none of us can fix the global conversation. None of us can fix the Twitter. Yeah, the the Twitter, the Twitter stuff. Uh, uh, post with all the comments and all this stupid stuff. But what we can do is at least on our local level, amongst our churches, amongst our friends or family members and all that stuff is to at least live that out is to live some sort of relational healing forward as, as, as Michael was talking about that arc, the awareness, the, mm -hmm. the relationships and the commitment. Um, one of the commitments that I've, that I've already kind of made is to try and have conversations with people um, without trying to convince them specifically of you must come out on the same side as me on this 
but with the, with the, like, let's at least talk about it. And as we talk about it, you know, it's all of a sudden I realize like, whoa, I just said something I don't know if I agree with, you know, or I have to think about mm -hmm. that more or whatever it is. And those conversations kind of allow us to say some of our, our, some of the things that we might think that aren't exactly good, but then you say them in a safe context and, and mm -hmm. hopefully there, there can be forgiveness and, and, and moving forward and, and all of that. I'm, but I just, I think yeah. that's, that's a huge piece is that restorative relational style mm -hmm. of, of moving forward. I'm so, but it's not the only way. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad that, you know, you came up to me in that middle of that theme park at around 9 PM and you said, Hey, can I this be your garbage. friend? And, and this is garbage. So we could have a, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Um, no, I, I, I was like, we've never, I don't think we've ever been to a theme park together. Wait, we've been to Wild Waves, Wild Waves in Washington Oh, State. true, true. Back, yeah, yeah well. Forever ago. Yep. No. Back in the high school days. Yeah. To actually make a relevant comment as we probably wrap up here. Uh, yeah, man, I feel like it's a hard tension because I think this is another reason why I've come to see how powerful the way of Jesus is in the world because God is better than us. You know, like he, mm. like you're describing this, there seems to be this cycle of like, like this party committed this hurt and this abuse and this oppression. And so the hurt, the hurt party is like, well, it should cost you something. Like you should be hurt. Essentially, that's really what it is. Like mm -hmm. you should be hurt mm -hmm. in some way. It should cost you something. It should cost you your position of power. It should cost you, you know, like. There needs to be an, an equalizing of the scales and then yeah and then throughout history there's like this like cycle it just becomes a cycle over and over where like yeah you hurt us, you hurt first, us. and then it becomes a who who hurt each who other hurt first e yeah, but that doesn't even matter anymore doesn't even matter you anymore. hurt me last so i'm gonna hurt you now exactly and just goes back and yeah. forth and you know and so i think there's that layer of it which is you know i think like God comes to end that whole cycle. Like he, he comes to forgive all sides, like, uh, 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 you know, like oppressed and oppressors. Like he's, he's so much better than us. Like, and we've talked about this cause I just took a class yeah. on this last semester, which was fantastic. But, uh, and so it's so hard, I think, especially I guess as a black man to make it personal, because like, I believe in that, like peace intellectually, like God comes to end all cycles to forgive the oppressed and the oppressors. And yet there's also, I think so often those on the, maybe the majority culture side of the conversation feel as if they, it's like you're seeing, you're seeing what the conversation is now and seeing what it will lead to down the road. And you're saying, well, that's scary. What yeah. it'll lead to down the road. That's too scary. So I can't even have this conversation because it'll lead to this and it'll lead yeah. to that. And I'm like, well, can we just have the conversation first? Like, like, can we just tell the yeah. truth? Can we just, can you, can yeah. you hear this truth? Can you hear this hurt? And then maybe we can like talk about that. Like, we don't really need to worry about that yet. Like we do need to worry about that. But like, can we, like, I'm, I'm as worried about that as you are. But can't <laughs> well, it can be weirdly prophetic. Yeah, it's it's like the uh, well, I feel like if we have this conversation, then we get to a place where Marxism is taking over our country. Right, and it's actually what's funny about it is if you don't listen to each other, people are going to get more extreme. Exactly, and it's going to be the far right or the far left that you know it becomes the it gets enough power that it, it starts to take over or whatever. It's it's a weirdly prophetic thing. Actually, the listening yeah. in the moment would do the most healing mm. moving forward. So we avoid most of the things we're afraid of. Oh. So it's so it's a self-fulfilling prophecy I, to, almost. To, 
Oh yeah, absolutely. It, and it's present in history. I, I just want to say this as you were talking about the, the, mm-hmm. the way of Jesus. What's so powerful about it is is God hates the hates racism yeah. more than I hate it. Yeah. And more than more than anyone Way hates more. it. Even the victims of, of racism. He hates it so much more because he see he knows the full effect of it. But what's crazy is he loves the racist more than anyone else could. Yeah, exactly. And he loves and he loves the the, the oppressed um, uh, member of, uh, of the minority more than than anyone else ever could. Which is why God's um, better than more us. More than any activist. Absolutely. But here's here's what's crazy about it is then God, you know, he has such a beautiful way because he, he says, treat others as you would want to be treated or the the, mm. the, the, the golden, the golden, the, that's the golden rule. But then the, the only command or the, the greatest command is love, love one another, love God, love one another as yourself. Mm. Here's why. It's because, for instance, um, I hope that majority cultures amongst white people, that there's an understanding that I wouldn't want to be treated this way. But here's the other thing too, is that, that that at least the way the trajectory of America right now mm-hmm. is that brown people will outnumber white people fairly soon mm, and yeah. will be the majority at some point in the near future. And the the call for us, and I say us, I'm kind of in between, yeah. but the call for anybody, but let's just say for minority culture as right now, who will be the majority someday, the call for minority culture is to say, and now you do not treat the minorities that will become the minority, the, the majorities that will become the minority, you don't treat them the way you were treated. Mm. That's the powerful thing. You you treat them as you would wish to be treated, not how you were treated. Yeah, yeah. And that's a crazy thing, because then because the reality comes into now is like we're calling for all this stuff of like from from uh, in the minority culture is is calling for all this stuff, a lot of which is good, and some stuff, all some of the extreme stuff, which is crazy, but. The, the the question becomes when you're in power how how will you rule yeah you know when the, when the minorities become the majority how will we rule you know because and, and i say that that sounds terrifying how will the minorities how rule? will you <laughs> rule but yeah but it's it's a big biblical idea you know when yeah. the jews finally get their own nation how will they rule it because they were ruled in slavery and oppression by the egyptians Will they repeat the cycle, or will they be different? They, re- they repeated you know, the cycle. The same call for us today, and they did, yeah, well, with yeah. through Solomon and, and beyond. But but then the question comes to today, and I think that's the that's the powerful thing that I want to think of is when I am when when maybe my my color of skin is the majority. Mm. Will we listen to Will we listen to an oppressed white person in the way that we wished we were listened to? Mm. And I think that's that's the key of 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 how we treat people even in today. And so that's not to, that's not to discount the need for rest- restoration and the need for justice and the need for sometimes hard forms of justice, which is no, you can't do that, and there's going to be consequences. That's not discounting those needs, mm-hmm. but it is, I think, a big concept that we have to process and think through. So. Yeah, I think that that's. Uh, I think exactly what you just said is what I feel conflicted about, and and what I feel <laughs> what I feel dual. I, I feel a total agreement i feel agreement and dissonance with because i i think i agree with the spirit of of exactly what you're saying and i think that's written exactly into the story of god and that's what god does and that's what he's about is like ending that cycle completely like the cycle stops with you like you who that's like we just said that's a whole story of the children of israel and yet they repeat it and yet i think so often that line of reasoning what you just said is used as a block is used as a mask is used as a like Yeah, as, I, I guess as a, as is used as a as an escape out of the conversation itself. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, what about you in like th- five years when you guys are the majority? Like, are you? How, yeah. And I know you're not doing that because I know no, you. No, but that's I the thing is, heart, but... is, 
well is you know the majority can't say that to the minority yeah like that's not that's that doesn't work that way but however for those of us and for anyone who is part of a minority that may become the majority it's a question we must ask ourselves for, yeah. as followers of jesus for us as, yeah as for followers sure. of jesus oh yeah because it's like is the kingdom of god going to be something that we spread when we have when 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 those of us who have been oppressed have power in essence yeah like, like, are we going to continue the, are we going to build the kingdom of God or are we going to continue a kingdom that then forces oppression on someone else? And then, you know, and then we just repeat the cycle. And so, yeah. and of course we know that there's not going to be complete restoration until the kingdom of God is restored until Jesus comes back. All, all of that. I, I get all of that. Mm-hmm. And again, I, exactly what you're saying. We can't, for those, and I'm going to just, I'm going to immediately shift and include myself in majority culture. Now, those of us who are part of majority culture can't then be like, well, you know, you can't treat us like that because because that's just a deflection of our own inner work that w- must be done. Mm. So it, it's, that's the thing is this is so relationally based. So this relational. is about people because as, as a person, as, as a husband, I can't react defensively to my wife mm-hmm. or else I won't hear her. And then I will perpetuate things where she's going to become more extreme and her own hurt and her own pain, which will cause her to do more extreme things. And because she's doing those things, I'm going to react and become more extreme. Well, she's just crazy. She's insane. All these things. Mm-hmm. And then we just, we just never talk. We never actually restore anything. Yeah. And we just deflect and, and divide and, and get farther apart until finally it's like, well, I guess we just can't live together anymore. Yeah. But that's not the, that's not what followers of Jesus are called to. You just kind of crazy. Yeah, the whole like, the whole, the way that you just described that and the way that what you said before that about uh, just reversals, when reversals happen, it's like the whole, and this is getting to another topic. We, we don't have to talk about this today, but it's, it's, it's exactly what's, what happened from like the story of Christianity all the way to us in our last, you know, like seeing Trump in the White House and the, 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 you know, the, the whole journey of Christianity being a Middle Eastern marginalized religion to being the, like, the dominant, the dominant political power. It's such a, what a crazy thing that is. I mean, that's a whole nother conversation. This is typically how our conversations yeah. go outside of the podcast anyway, but. No, but, but if I'm following you, what you're about to say is, or what you're trying to say is, in essence, that we went from the oppressed minority to the dominant majority and now it's it's the gay community it's the lgbtq plus community that's crying out for because of persecution exactly and it's women and it's and it's minorities who are crying out because the christian church has been complicit and if not the main instigator of much of this of much of the oppression and hurt and pain and damage we've seen in the world and we never stop to consider yeah that's what were we before (laughs) that's literally it you said holy oh my gosh this is insane i never i've never even thought of it like that that's wow yeah i mean that's that's the whole it's 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 the cycle of how we just become babylon without even realizing we're becoming babylon and god is calling us all out of the ways of babylon you know it's it's yeah where, where where god says to he says to the israelites do not Go to Egypt to, to, to don't sign treaties with Egypt to maintain your strength. Don't get a lot of wives because they're going to pull you away from worshiping me into worshiping idols. Mm-hmm. And then you will hurt people because those worshiping idols change your worldview and change how you, how you view people. And, and because of that, you're going to view people as less valuable and you're going to enslave them and you're going to do all this mm-hmm. stuff. And then they end up doing all of it the exact after thing. having had all of it done to them. That's the story of the Jews. And it's the story, it sounds like, uh, just, we're just saying to ourselves right now, it sounds like this is the story of Christianity. Is we've For sure. Done the exact same thing. It's the story of the world. In many, not, of course, not in, not in every area, but at least in America and and, uh, and probably Europe and, and other places like that. Like, it's just, what what a, what a, what a hard thing to accept. Yeah. It's the, and yet something we have to sit with 
like deep in our gut and just be like, wow, we've we've become the very thing that that we we condemn Rome for all of its horribleness mm. to Christians. <laughs> and look at us. Yeah, I mean, and uh, to bring it back, I guess full circle to to race and what Michael was talking about. Um, yeah, one of my favorite thinkers, propaganda. He he says um, oftentimes in conversations with but you can't just say that you can't just yeah. say my, one of my favorite thinkers propaganda <laughs> sorry yeah i know what you're talking about <laughs> yeah, true. But you can't just say that sounds like i'm about to spew propaganda right sorry now. yeah prop yeah, prop is a, a christian hip-hop artist yeah. hip-hop artist prop is a, he's a christian hip-hop artist and thinker he yeah and uh and he uh he talks about how when i'm talking to Oftentimes when I'm talking to those in majority culture about these issues, you know, the, the hard part is when you actually go into the history, when we, we see how terrible it really was, it's, mm-hmm. it's often so striking and, and really that bad that it's, and so intentional by majority culture that it's, it's hard to accept, really. It's hard to accept and stomach, not that you were a part of it or even personally complicit, but that like you're a part yeah. of that legacy we're part of humans and humans did that. Exactly. This is rough. Yeah. Which, which is wild. And I almost feel like it's, it's similar. It's like once we have that reckoning and not, not only talking about race, but just as humans, as humanity, like once we have that reckoning, like we, we do this to each other and that like, like there's, there's such a universal level of repentance that we all need to and owners and not, not, I don't like ownership, but like, except like listening to that truth. That like as mm-hmm. as as humans we do this to each other we harm each other in these ways like exactly yeah yeah man I think just to to kind of close it out I, that's why I think the relational idea of looking at it is so powerful because we have that united we're we're humans together in this yeah you you and I both uh, uh, the 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 white the whitest of the white, the, the, the darkest of the dark, we, we, regardless of, of, of race, ethnicity, background, sexual orientation, gender, whatever it is, we're all in this together. Yeah. But the problem is, even though that's a universal truth, we have to recognize that we separate ourselves. We move ourselves apart. And because of that, we, we have to, we have to have some sort of reconciliation and reconciliation. If it's not looked at through at least the relational lens, I don't, I just don't think we get it. Cause in essence, majority culture is like kind of yelling like, Hey, no, but, but, or at least the conservative side of it is yelling like, no, but this is, this is, this is all these things that you're telling me are, I'm not those things. Yeah. And it's like, actually, if we think of it relationally, then we come at it from the perspective of, okay, first, when someone's telling you how they feel, you, you listen to what they're saying, right. repeat it back, try to understand what they're saying. Mm. Whether whether it's factually correct or not, I've I've said this before, and I, I know my wife probably um, disputes the accuracy of this. But but um, feelings are uh, feelings can still be valued. Feelings are, are even if yeah. Feel, feelings are are what's the real even if they're not right. Oh yeah. What I mean by that is is feel, feelings are real even if they're not factually correct or, or based off of factually correct things. Yeah. And so that's that's part of the thing, though, is but what you'll find is, is that feelings are generally based off some pretty accurate things, especially if it's relational. Yeah, for sure. Um, or at least some inner work that both parties need to do. So the first step when someone tells you I've been hurt is to listen well, and then we can actually work from that perspective, from that place. Mm. Oh, you know, man, you've said that to me. I'm so sorry that I've hurt you. We form a, a relationship of trust, and then later on, I can be like, "Hey, so you've been telling me that this is a true thing, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that, that this is real. Racism exists in this way. 
And I guess I just have some questions about it because I'm not seeing it the same way. And then maybe through that conversation, all of a sudden it's like, oh, wow, yeah, no, that's true. We both have a different perspective that that is better off because we've talked about it. That's just the, I just find that to be so important in, in, in all of this. hundred so, Harp on the relational aspect. It's really what Jesus yeah. said. It's like the truth sets you free, but also listening to the truth. There's, it's like, yeah. there's like, you have to, you have to have ears to hear those who, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah, Jesus yeah. says it all. Those who have ears to hear, let them hear. Yeah. So let good. them hear. So cool. Well, I think we'll just end it there. I think that's it. This was way longer. As always, tune in uh, next time for our next podcast. You can also join in uh, the conversation on Facebook and Instagram at Seeking What They Sought. And we hope to uh, see you at the, the next one. See here? I don't know. <laughs>